the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Please note here that Jesus heals the damage caused by a believer to another person. And I'm grateful for that. And you probably are too. I mean, how often have we unintentionally injured someone with our words or with our actions? You know, all of us have lopped off an ear or two or five or ten And I'm grateful that Jesus comes behind us and restores the damage we've caused people when we've acted in the flesh instead of the Spirit. As Jesus is betrayed by Judas and arrested, Peter gets so worked up and emotional that he cuts a man's ear off. Have you heard that story before? Did you know that Jesus picked up that man's ear and healed it? Pastor Dan makes a very reassuring remark in his message today about Jesus, who's always with us, changing what needs to be changed. You know, we hurt people, intentionally and unintentionally, but thank heavens for Jesus, who comes behind us and heals what we've ruined. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 26 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. imagine having leaders of your nation that are just corrupt and have disregard for the law. There's nothing new under the sun. Man hasn't changed in 2000 years. I've said this before, but Jesus wasn't just rejected by the religious leaders. He was despised and rejected. Isaiah 53. They despised him. They hated him. It's not just that, hey, we don't think you're our Messiah or we don't want to believe that you're our Messiah. They despised him. They hated him. They want to destroy him because he threatens their lifestyle. He's upsetting the system that they're benefiting from. And so Jesus is arrested in Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. We talked about Gethsemane. If you look back in verse 45, Jesus says in the middle of the the verse, Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, once again, we're reminded, he was one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of the 12. Psalm 41, verse 9, speaking of Judas's betrayal, says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Matthew tells us that Judas came with a great multitude with swords and clubs. The other gospels tell us they also had lanterns or torches. And there are three groups with Judas that make up this great multitude. Three different groups in this great 
multitude. John's gospel tells us Judas came with a detachment of Roman troops, a detachment of Roman troops. And the word John uses there that's translated detachment refers to 600 troops. So he's got 600 Roman troops with him. So this great multitude with Judas includes 600 Roman soldiers with swords and clubs, plus an unspecified number of soldiers from the temple, the temple guard. And the third group, some of the religious leaders are in the group that came to arrest Jesus. So this great multitude may have numbered close to a thousand people coming to arrest one person with swords and clubs and torches. I think the number of people they sent to arrest Jesus says a lot about how much they feared Jesus and his power. In fact, turn with me over to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, look at verse 3. John 18, 3, it says, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, that's that word that means 600 troops, so he's got 600 Roman troops, and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, that would be the temple guard, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he steps forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Now notice the word he is in italics in your Bible. That means it's not in the original text. The translators who translated it into English added the word he. So Jesus answered, I am. Who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. Now look at verse 6. Now when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. The great multitude that came to arrest Jesus with swords and clubs and torches, maybe a thousand people, is knocked to the ground by Jesus simply saying, I am. With one statement, they're flattened. Jesus clearly shows his deity. He shows his power. He shows that he's the one who's really in control of this situation. He's not some helpless victim put to death by corrupt leaders. He can easily overpower this multitude. He can easily escape this arrest and escape the cross if he wants to. He can get out of this. He's got the power to get out of this. And it's like he's letting us know he's got the power to get out of this with just this one statement, I am. And then, boom, they all fall over. But he didn't use his deity. He didn't use his power to escape the cross. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. Jesus voluntarily gave his life for us. He willingly laid down his life for you and for me. He gave his life as a ransom for us, the Bible says. And he did this because he loves us. And he wants a relationship with us. First John chapter 3, verse 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so because of his great love for us, he, he submitted to this arrest. Even though he has the power to escape, he just submits himself to this arrest because he's dying for us, right? He's dying in our place. 
This is why he came to offer himself as a substitute for us. Now turn back to Matthew chapter 26, verse 48 says, now his betrayer, Judas, had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one sees him. So Judas identified Jesus to the soldiers with a kiss. And the Greek indicates Judas kissed Jesus like many times, like over and over to make it obvious to the soldiers who Jesus is. So Jesus had to be identified which indicates to us there is nothing about Jesus that made him stand out from a crowd. You know, there was no halo around his head. His robe didn't glow. He didn't float above the ground when he walked. He wasn't like head and shoulders above everybody else and exceedingly handsome. He wasn't super jacked. You wouldn't look at Jesus and think, that guy's got to be the savior of the world. You wouldn't look at Jesus and say, He's got to be the Messiah. I mean, have you ever seen eyes that blue? He's got to be the Messiah. Isaiah 53, 2 says of Jesus, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus was ordinary in appearance. And because he was so ordinary and plain, he was accessible to all people. There was nothing about his physical appearance that was intimidating. His plainness made him approachable, which is good. Jesus is approachable by all. And so Judas identified Jesus with a kiss, a a common way of greeting and showing affection in the ancient world. But Judas's kiss was a kiss of betrayal. And when Judas kissed Jesus repeatedly, he said, greetings, rabbi. Remember, Judas never called him Lord. Teacher, but never Lord, never master. And Jesus responded by saying, friend, why have you come? Friend, what are you doing? Friend, why are you here? And let me ask you a question. If someone was in the act of betraying you, would you call them friend? Or would you call them some other name that maybe comes to mind? Probably not friend. Even as Judas is betraying Jesus, Jesus shows kindness to Judas. Jesus loves Judas. He chose him. Jesus loves Judas. And I believed he's, he's extending one last opportunity for Judas to change his mind, even though he won't. But there's an opportunity here. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, whenever we are tempted to sin, God will always provide a way out. He always provides a way of escape. He loves us. And he's not willing that anyone would perish in their sins And so he provides a way out every time. And his desire is that we would take the way out, that we would take the way of escape through repentance and turning from our sin. And so he says to him, friend, why have you come? Friend, what are you doing? Verse 50 says, then they came and they laid hands on Jesus and and took him. He submitted to this. He submitted to the arrest. He allowed them to bind him with ropes And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. There's always a guy in the crowd who's got a weapon, right? And he struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Notice it says the servant of the high priest, not a servant of the high priest. This is the servant of the high priest. John's gospel tells us the disciple was Peter. Peter brought a sword with him. 
Peter, what are you doing with a sword? Why'd you bring a sword, Peter? The word sword here, it means a large, a large knife or even a dagger. And as we see here, Peter is a better fisherman than swordsman. He swings for his head and misses his head and cuts off his ear. And the Greek word here suggests that he actually tore off his ear or ripped off his ear. So Peter's knife must have been dull. And we know from the other Gospels that the servant's name was Malchus. And it was his right ear that was ripped off. And Luke tells us Jesus touched the servant's ear and healed it. As this is like this is all going down, it's nighttime, there's torches, thousand soldiers, weapons drawn, you know, crazy scene. Peter draws a sword and starts swinging. And in the midst of all that, Jesus reaches out and touches Malchus's ear and heals him. And this was the last miracle of Jesus before the cross. It's the only time Jesus healed a fresh wound. Every other healing is a, is a disease or an ailment or, or disability that he heals. And it's for an unbeliever and an enemy of Jesus. And he heals Malchus really to protect Peter so that Peter doesn't get arrested also. But please note here that Jesus heals the damage caused by a believer to another person. And I'm grateful for that. And you probably are too. I mean, how often have we unintentionally injured someone with our words or with our actions? You know, all of us have lopped off an ear or two or five or ten. And I'm grateful that Jesus comes behind us and restores the damage we've caused people when we've acted in the flesh instead of the spirit. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And so verse 52, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its place. Put your sword away. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? Jesus could pray and the father would provide 12 legions of angels to fight for him. Now, a legion is 6,000 soldiers. So 12 legions of angels, I'll do the math for you. It's 72,000 angels. To fight for Jesus. And you might think, well, how, well, what kind of damage can an angel do? Well, in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35, if you're taking notes, 2 Kings 19, 35, one angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. Jesus can call 72,000 angels to come fight for him. We can't imagine what kind of damage that many angels can do. But Jesus had tremendous forces available to him. He can call for those forces to come 
and fight for him and he can escape the arrest. He can escape the cross if he wants to. He's got options. Jesus has options available to him. He has a way out of this suffering, a way out of the cross, but he doesn't take it. He doesn't take it. He endured all of this for us. Again, he's dying in our place. He's standing in as our substitute. He's going to take our punishment for us. And even though he's got options, he's got power available to him. He can easily get out of this situation. This is why he came. He came to give his life as a ransom for us because of his great love for us and his desire for us. First John chapter four says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So Jesus stayed and submitted to this arrest out of his love for us. Verse 54, he said again, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen Thus, Jesus must suffer and be crucified for the sins of the world to fulfill Scripture. It must happen this way, according to the Scriptures. You know, as, as we read Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. This has to happen. It has to go down like this. He must suffer to atone for our sins, to reconcile us to God. First Peter chapter 1 says that his crucifixion was foreordained before the foundation of the world. In Revelation 13, Jesus is described as the Lamb of God who was slain from the creation of the world. The cross was always God's plan of redemption for mankind. It wasn't some unforeseen tragedy that happened. It was always the plan. And it was predicted throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And so Jesus says here again in verse 54, this must happen this way to fulfill the scriptures. And in that hour, verse 55, in that hour, Jesus said to the multitude, so now he turns to all those soldiers, all those temple guard, all the religious leaders, and he says to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. If you remember back in chapters 21 to 23, Jesus, which was just earlier in the same week, Jesus taught in the temple courts, and the religious leaders questioned him repeatedly, trying to trap him in his words, trying to trip him up in his doctrine. But it says they ended up marveling at his teachings. But now they've come in the middle of the night to arrest him, which is illegal. And they have almost a thousand soldiers with them, with swords and clubs and weapons. If Jesus is such a threat and dangerous, why didn't they seize him in the temple? When he was teaching openly, now they come at night. Jesus is is calling them out for what they're doing here and how they're doing it. Verse 56, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Look back at verse 31. Then Jesus said to the disciples, all of you 
will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So they arrest Jesus. They take him into custody. And I mentioned that there are three parts or three phases to his religious trial. John's gospel tells us Jesus was first brought to Annas, the former high priest. Matthew doesn't record that for us, but John does. He was first brought to Annas, the former high priest, and that was the first phase of his religious trial before Annas. Now, just to give you a little background on Annas, Annas served as high priest from 6 AD to 14 AD before he was removed from office by the Roman governor at that time. But Annas still retained control over the priesthood and over the temple. Annas was the real power in Judaism. Five of his sons served as high priest. And his son-in-law Caiaphas served as high priest. And one of his grandsons served as high priest. Annas was the control behind everything. He controlled everything that went on in the temple. He controlled the market that was in the temple where people came and, and bought animals for sacrifice or exchanged money with the money changers. Annas is the one who set all of that up. He's the one who controlled all of that. Annas is the one who made the temple a den of thieves. Jesus, remember, cleansed the temple not once but twice. And so Annas has a personal grudge against Jesus. And the religious leaders, when Jesus is arrested, the religious leaders recognize Annas as the the real power, the real authority over Judaism That's why they take Jesus to Annas first, and then Annas sends Jesus to Caiaphas, who is the acting high priest or the official high priest. And the trial before Caiaphas, that's the second phase of his religious trial. And that's where Matthew picks it up in verse 57. Verse 57, and those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. So they go to the house of Caiaphas. Again, it's illegal to have a trial at night and in secret at the home of Caiaphas. But they're gathered there. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. So Peter began to follow Jesus from a distance or distance himself from Jesus and to sit with the enemies of Jesus, this will lead to him denying Jesus. If you begin to distance yourself from Jesus and hang out with unbelievers, it won't be long before you find yourself denying Jesus with the things that you say. We need to stay close to Jesus. Verse 59, now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought, look what it says, false testimony against Jesus, to put him to death. Not true testimony. They're not trying to get to the bottom of the facts here. They sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. This religious council, it was called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of 70 members plus the high priest of 71 members in all. And they were kind of like the Supreme Court over Judaism. You know, the final judge over things within Judaism. And they've already made up their decision. They've already made up their mind about Jesus before hearing the case. 
or hearing the facts or hearing the evidence. They want Jesus put to death. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. As you listen through this series, we encourage you to read on your own as well. There's so much to gain from spending time with God in His Word. You'd be amazed at what can be revealed to you in a personal way. Did you hear something today that struck a chord with you and you'd like to hear it again? No problem. All of the messages you hear on Ring of Truth can be found on our website. Go to calvaryec.com and search for these teachings under the Media tab. While you're there, you'll likely find and explore other series or teachings that sound interesting. Are you growing through this study in Matthew? We sure hope so. Another resource you might find useful is our podcast. You can subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast as another way to stay connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you each time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. If you're interested in learning more about the church that supports this radio ministry, our website has all the information you need about Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Come join us this weekend for worship and Bible study. Once again, that's calvaryec.com. Thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.